the silver bullet of getting high test scores may actually be intensive language learning because in, right. in our schools with of socioeconomic and ethnicity backgrounds we're seeing kids gain um, you know grade levels of reading and math scores you're listening to the getting smart podcast where we unpack what's new and innovative in education Today, we feature a conversation between Tom Vanderark and David Young. David's the CEO of Participate and is also on the executive board at Partnership for 21st Century Learning. David's been highly involved in global education and the development of global competencies. In this podcast, he discusses these themes along with the importance of dual language and equity and access for all kids. So Participate is formerly VIF International Education, which helps teachers connect and collaborate with educators around the world to discover new resources and ideas they can incorporate into their instruction. Their collaborative professional development tools provide growth opportunities for educators that are rooted in discussion and creative critical thinking. Let's have a listen to Tom and David discuss how to make a deep impact through global competencies and teacher professional development. We're with David Young, the CEO of Participate. David, welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast. Thank you very much, Tom. Nice to be here. It is uh, great to have you on the show. Uh, David, what is Participate? So Participate is is our uh, new name. Uh, We have for 30 years uh, um, worked in the global education arena under the name uh, VIF, which stood for, stands for Visiting International Faculty. Um, and we operated a, a program to bring international teachers into uh, U.S. public schools where uh, ideally we wanted them to, to provide students with an experience uh, in school that was uh, different from uh, what they would normally be able to get on their own. Um, as you may know, many of us uh, in, in the United States don't travel outside of uh, the country or a continent. I think only... Uh, about 15% of us on an annual basis leave the continent. Um, and so so 85% of us really have no or, or little access to international experiences through travel. And so the concept was to bring uh, international teachers into the schools where they could function effectively um, as teachers, but in the process serve as role models uh, culturally or linguistically. Um, and give students a real um, opportunity to meet, know, interact with someone from another culture and country. Um, <clears throat> so we've done that for uh, 30 years now. Uh, it grew to become uh, the largest such program in U.S. history and still is the largest uh, exchange program for teachers under uh, the Department of State's umbrella. Um, in, in more recent years, though, we, we have uh, learned uh, a lot from that uh, working with these teachers, uh, one that we had to train them to uh, be successful in a domestic environment uh, that may be very different from their home country. So we had to take thousands of teachers from 77 countries around the world and help them become successful not only in, in the classroom but in their communities uh, and in their local environment. So that required a, an awful lot of training uh, up front, uh, ongoing training uh, during their stays. Um, and from that, we learned a lot about how to train uh, adults, how to, how to help uh, teachers uh, gain and uh, learn and relearn skills. Um, and we've been able to now start to, to apply that in school transformation models. Um, 
Most notably, we run a network of global schools uh, that uh, implement dual language programs and implement global competence programs. Uh, and that network has, uh, has become um, pretty amazing in terms of the data and results that it's generating. Um, more than 100 schools now. And then that has led us to try to find more efficient ways to deliver uh, the training and content in those programs. Uh, and, and we've, uh, we've built a, a training platform for, for teachers. Uh, we call it a continuous learning platform because uh, nowadays we think, uh, you know, teachers have to learn and relearn all the time. There's no such thing as being done or even graduated as a teacher. You're going to have to <clears throat> learn and relearn your craft um, every year. Um, and uh, so we envision teacher professional development as an ongoing uh, experience that has to be sustained and affordable. And so we see technology as a way to, uh, to deliver that. So all of that put together, we, we now have a, a teacher program, we have school transformation programs, and we have a, a platform to deliver our professional development or uh, other uh, professional development uh, in a, in a world-class uh, platform. And these, th these things are very different from the name Visiting International Faculty. Right. Uh, and so when we were able to acquire uh, last year a, a development uh, company to help us build this platform and deliver a, a very um, uh, positive user experience and effective uh, um, development experience, uh, we saw one, a good platform, two, we, we saw their team as, as excellent and so we also uh, brought their team into our organization but then over the course of a few months we said, you know, participate's kind of a cool name um, and we started to think, well, you know, participation is the basis of, of everything we've ever done. When you uh, participate in a cultural exchange, when you participate in hosting an exchange teacher, when you participate in professional development, uh, when you participate in global society, or, um, you know, it just seemed to, to really hit on our past um, and our present and our future. Uh, and we knew visiting international faculty simply didn't reflect right. who we are today and where we're going. And so as of yesterday, after 30 years as DIF, we, uh, we rebranded. And so today we came in and uh, started handing out the, the Participate shirts. Well, it's exciting to be with you on uh, day number one with your new name. We love it. We think it's a great change. Uh, David, one, one interesting, um, interesting thing about your organization, it's a family business, and, and it's a, a medium-sized business. It, it, one interesting thing about U.S. education is there's a missing middle. There's hundreds, uh, there's thousands of uh, startups and uh, and very small uh, professional development organizations. And then there's a couple uh, multi-billion dollar companies, but there's very few medium-sized organizations that have really scaled to provide the kind of quality services that you do and participate is really a family success story that it's one that you've really grown up in this in this business right exactly um and i think that's you know one of the things that's kind of unique about us is this uh, a lot of a lot of the ed tech organizations you see doing work now are, are maybe technology firms that have looked at education as a, as a good market to get into um we're kind of the opposite and in that we've been an education organization for, for many, many years and finally <clears throat> have kind of 
seen the light on, on technology, hopefully enabling us to extend the things that we do well uh, to a broader audience, uh, you know, in terms of not, not just uh, geographically, but just, um, you know, even numerically, we, you can only bring so many international teachers into, into a classroom. We have, you know, hundreds of thousands of schools and, um, you know, even though we're the largest such uh, teacher exchange program, it's, it's not practical to think that you can put an international teacher in you know, every school. Um, so, so technology for us is a way to take the things that we've done effectively in, in uh, you know, creating a, a teaching force uh, that's coming from all over the world and, and generating truly the best test results in, in our state uh, as documented by um, the University of North Carolina. You know, our teachers are getting statistically significantly better results in reading and math um, and have done so for, for years uh, relative to all of, all the other uh, uh, teacher groups, uh, teacher preparation groups here in the state. And so what we think is that, you know, we kind of have a, a, good, um, a good track record on not only selecting teachers that are going to be effective, but then in, in training them and, and helping them to get the kind of results that everyone's looking for. If we can take those components that have been effective with our audience and then apply them to a domestic audience or a broader audience, we think we can have real impact on, on education across the board. David, you chair the Partnership for 21st Century. Um, in that role, I guess, how, how do you think about what graduates should know and be able to do these days? Well, so P21's in a in an interesting spot now. They've uh, they've hired a, a fellow named Dave Ross, formerly of, of Buck Institute, and he's uh, I think a, an amazing uh, a person and gives P21 an opportunity to do some some things that maybe couldn't have done in the past in supporting um, um, schools and districts and states that are looking to move in this direction. Um, we did uh, adopt a new strategy plan. Um, last year uh, before we brought Dave in and uh, um, it's a pretty bold plan to the, the sort of overarching theme is to build a 21st century global ready workforce um, and to define that as what a, what a well-educated person means now. Um, more importantly I think for P21 we're trying to figure out what it means 10 years from now right. maybe 20 years from now because obviously you know it's, it's a moving target. Um, the one thing we all agree on is is that uh, technology is moving at such a pace that you know society and the economy is just going to constantly change. That'll be the only certainty is just constant change, and that um, change management, the ability to constantly learn and relearn, uh, will be an essential skill um, that uh, has to be taught and, in our opinion, modeled by by teachers themselves. Um, but as a as a functioning definition right now, where they are is where we are is that you've got you've got your basics, and then you've got your four C's, which are uh, you know collaboration, creativity, communication, and critical thinking. But then we need to add uh, global competence uh, to to the model, um, and so that's uh, uh, where we are today. I think some of the things you're talking are about around AI and, and you know virtual. Um, are, are uh, certainly in the discussion and need to be added almost immediately because it's, it, again, technology is moving so fast um, that any definition of what it means to be well-educated has to be updated, uh, you know, almost daily. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I think P21 is in a good spot to, to potentially um, 
it is some it, leadership it, there and to, to I mean, maybe provide some leadership. P21 has really provided uh, leadership for more than a decade. Uh, so we, we appreciate um, your service at that group. It, it does strike us that if we really took those things seriously, the critical thinking, creativity, collaboration, that schools would look uh, quite differently. Are, are you optimistic that with uh, reauthorization of federal legislation, uh, that that will begin to see um, at least some states uh, create more room for uh, innovative learning models. Yeah, I'm I'm optimistic there. I mean, uh, you know, we don't quite yet know uh, what the new administration is going to to bring in. Um, you know, we can make some assumptions, but. Uh, but the legislation itself seems to um, at least offer up some flexibility to states, districts, and even schools right. to, to try new things. Um, certainly, we're seeing uh, an amazing level of interest in our global school model. I think that, um, you know, for one thing, we've got data to show that it works. But uh, I think I think that in general, our population, even though they may, may not love globalization, they understand that we've got to prepare for right. it. And, um, that they want their kids to be competitive. They want them to be um, able to, uh, you know, to compete in a global environment. You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast. If you're enjoying this episode, check out Season 2, Episode 15, where David Ross, CEO of the Partnership for 21st Century Learning, also known as P21, talks about project-based learning and global education. You'll find this on our iTunes channel, along with over 50 additional episodes featuring ed leaders speaking on topics ranging from special education to education policy and insights from school leaders and teachers. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. And we'd love it if you'd consider sharing our podcast with others via whatever social networks you use. Now let's hear Tom and David as they discuss language learning what's next in the development of global competencies, and why and how Participate prepares teachers for the classroom and the students that they will have in their schools. Terry Greer introduced us. Uh, he, he really appreciated your support in Houston for the expansion of their dual language programs and shared your uh, belief that, that dual language is critical for as, as a global competence, but that it also uh, could be important academically across the curriculum. Yeah, I mean, what we're seeing is, um, so, so you know, you don't take Spanish in a dual language program, you take math in Spanish, and that's a, a big difference. Um, so um, the language is your means to the content and to the, uh, to the material. And so um, it's, a, it's a big distinction than me simply saying, hey, I'm going to teach you Spanish today, you know, and, and I say, hola, como esta, and then I tell you what that means in English. That never works. And so using, um, using the content as the means of, using the language as the means of instruction is, is critical. Um, and, you know, what we're seeing are, are kids of all backgrounds. Uh, we had a study done by, uh, again, the University of North Carolina uh, looked at all our programs and found that on average, uh, a student that was in one of our programs, K through five, uh, gains the equivalent of 108 days of reading instruction in that continuum without adding a single day to the calendar. Oh, that's exciting. So you're really talking about, um, you know, major impact. 
And for us, that's when we started to see sort of explosive growth. So now we're sold out for the next two years of, on what we can actually expand. But um, the, uh, the dual language took off, not in my opinion, because people wanted their kids necessarily to be bilingual. But when they saw, uh, when the schools and districts and parents saw the data on the math and reading, um, you know, we've had waiting lists ever since. Um, so I'm not sure what the you know, context is for parents signing up, but they do want to see their kids do well academically. And if learning a language is an avenue to do that, we're, we're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of demand. Yeah, David, I'm excited to see uh, Texas districts embracing dual language in addition to Houston, El Paso, and Dallas have made um, large-scale commitments. Um, but I'm seeing less momentum nationwide. What are you seeing when it comes to dual language? I mean, we're seeing uh, we're seeing growth. Um, the last numbers I saw, I think uh, ten years ago, there were maybe twelve hundred programs in the country, and I think the last I saw a couple of weeks ago was maybe there are more than ten thousand now. So it's growing uh, quickly. I, I think yesterday I read in New York City they've got more than a hundred dual language programs now. Broward County has thirty four. Houston's up to near sixty. Um, and you have uh, a number of districts, as you mentioned, that are, are lining up. Uh, you know, it seems like there's maybe more demand in places where you have a uh, um, high ELL population. Right. Um, one of the models for dual language is, a, as you may know, is a 50-50 two-way model in which usually half of the kids are Spanish-speaking, half are English-speaking, and right. they, they, you alternate the language um, Again, 50-50, A-day, B-day, or half-day, half-day, and, and the students effectively learn from each other, learn each other's culture, and it's a really great way, efficient way to um, uh, to have both groups learning another language um, and maintaining their own. Uh, so those, so it's become super popular in, um, you know, the, the places that you would expect, uh, Florida, the big cities, uh, California, Texas. And then, of course, California, I guess, recently... Um, uh, repealed the law that was uh, that disallowed uh, bilingual programs, so we'll probably see a lot of growth uh, there as well in the next few years. Uh, David, let's um, shift gears and talk about what's new in professional learning. This is a subject that we uh, cover extensively at Getting Smart. Um, you you have, uh, as you mentioned, an updated platform and a and a, a continuous learning approach, but where where do you see trends in professional learning uh, heading? Well, I'm sure you've heard from superintendents that are just sick of uh, um, sit and get professional development. The idea that teachers are going to come in, sign in for a workshop, um, you know, maybe listen to a PowerPoint, sign out, and and, and that professional development almost never reaches the the classroom and. So I think the big trend we're going to see is is maybe I, I hope a move away from from that type of professional development to one that's uh, more accountable for student outcomes and, and student impact. Um, what we've been able to do on the on, on our continuous learning platform is offer uh, schools and districts a way to deliver professional development asynchronously at scale and keep their costs uh, in check so they can deliver it to more teachers. Uh, more effectively, but I think the the, the digital badging and micro credential piece is so critical because that's where you you actually see uh, that the professional development you're paying for is actually impacting kids. 
And my my advice to any administrator would be if, if uh, your provider can't show you demonstrably that the professional development you're paying for hasn't reached the classroom and resulted in student positive student impact, then why are you paying for it? Um, and so the advantage of, of these platforms now, if you if you build them right, is is you can have your teachers go through the professional development. You can have them uh, build lesson plans from what they've learned, build uh, activities, uh, units, um, whatever you want to do. Um, but then you can ask them to go teach that in the classroom and to record evidence that they've taught it, record evidence of student learning uh, through student artifacts, come back into the system, reflect and revise on what they learned, what worked, what didn't work, um, and importantly, uh, then share that with peers uh, and get feedback. Um, so technology has, has reached the point where um, it seems counterintuitive, again, to say that an online platform can be more active uh, in, in uh, reaching students than traditional professional development. But in reality, everything that we do on our platform requires teachers to take action. They, they must go through the professional development. They must uh, build something from it. They must teach it. They must record evidence. They must come back. And so there's all these things that they must do to get that badge. And so every single badge that we issue is going to have evidence of teachers learning and importantly, impacting student learning. And really, that's our theory of action, that to change teacher practice, we need to change teacher learning, and that by doing that, we can change student outcomes and student learning. David, we've been talking about the American <laughs> Education Challenge. How are things different when you look at your work uh, in other countries? Well, that's, you know, that's a good question. We, we, we now have much more capacity through this platform to to extend what we do outside of our, our sort of physical footprint. So, so most of our teachers, most of our global schools are, you know, within a, a couple of hundred miles of, of here, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Um, the work we do internationally has centered around recruiting these, these international teachers to come and serve in these settings and to provide these experiences to students. So, so we know a lot about sort of what teachers do in these other countries um, uh, because they tell us, and then we have to ask them to do the things that their schools here require of them while then bringing the best of their uh, professional history and experience to the school and, and, and having that impact. Um, now that we have uh, the capacity to deliver professional learning at distance, um, you know, that, that, that example you brought up earlier, we trained uh, uh, 2,000 teachers in Houston over the past two years uh, uh, using our system. Uh, we never left North Carolina to do that training. We provided that uh, fully online. Uh, they they did 66,000 hours of professional development over the two years and earned 6,600 badges, uh, digital badges. Um, the evaluation of that impact was that, uh, and I, I, I sent you guys the study, but uh, 80% uh, of the principals felt like the professional development positively impacted their, their uh, teachers' um, capacity, uh, their capabilities, and 70% of the teachers said the same thing. And so, you know, you kind of wonder, like, have you ever seen professional development in which 70% of the teachers said they were glad they did it and it helped improve them as teachers? Um, to me, I think that's super exciting. And if we can deliver that from Chapel Hill to Houston, there's no reason 
uh, that we couldn't deliver that anywhere in the world. And so our uh, our goal is to, and, and particularly since we work in multiple languages already, um, you know, the, the first opportunities for us are most likely to be where we recruit our teachers and uh, those are going to be mostly Spanish-speaking countries and, and uh, Mandarin, uh, well, China. Um, so we're excited to, to pursue that. Um, we haven't quite yet gotten started. Uh, you know, this is all pretty new and, and recent. So uh, the, over the course of this year, we expect to certainly expand our footprint nationally and then uh, to begin the process of, of um, offering the same types of experiences internationally. David, this is, uh, it's been great to get an update on uh, Participate. Uh, it's exciting to see a, a family business with an impact focus making such a big difference in the United States. Uh, we, we really appreciate your uh, support for teachers and for uh, dual language here. And it's uh, great to, to hear that you're expanding your uh, reach to uh to countries around the world. Thank you. I certainly, certainly appreciate the opportunity and, and uh, have enjoyed uh, all the work you've done. And um, and certainly getting smart has been a, a big factor in, in seeing some really positive things happening in our field. David Young, CEO of Participate. Thanks for being on the Getting Smart podcast. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. This podcast interview is part of our hashtag smart planet campaign. For more, see hashtag smart planet and follow getting smart on Twitter at getting underscore smart. Also check out participate on Twitter at participate and find them online at www.participate.com. For more podcasts on global education, check out our podcast channel on iTunes, where we have tons of other interviews featuring Tom and our team. For example, be sure to listen to Season 2, Episode 20, Two Ed Leaders on Global High-Quality PBL, and Season 1, Episode 37, featuring El Paso, Texas Superintendent Juan Cabrera chatting about dual language. For feedback or to contribute, please tweet us at, at getting underscore smart and use hashtag smartplanet. We'll follow up with you. Thanks for listening. For the Getting Smart Podcast, this is Megan. And this is Kat. Signing off.